This is Audio Gyan and I am your host Kedar Nimkar. Welcome to a deep dive into the minds of luminaries from the Indian creative world. Today we have Dharmesh Bhavitas on Audio Gyan. He's a product designer turned user researcher committed to building delightful digital services for India through research and design. He's currently building a research team at Udan and Thousand Faces Club, which we'll talk about uh, at the last. Uh, and it definitely demands an audio gain case study. Dharmesh is from NID. So welcome, Dharmesh, to Audio Gain. And yeah, it's a real pleasure to have you. Thank you, Kedar. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here too. Awesome. So yeah, I discussed offline a couple of times. Um, I'm like. I'll start by setting the context saying that I am a instinctive mm-hmm. designer and mainly dealt with B2C products whom I am mm-hmm. a power user. So I would say user research is something which I have not really gone in depth right. but really understand and value mm-hmm. its power. So I wanted to pick your brains and and know from you since you're passionate about uh, research and plus designing mm-hmm. for India. So it's all the more fun and yeah the topic for the day is like designing bottoms up right. uh, for india so so i've come up with a few questions and let's see how it unfolds sure let's go for it awesome so like i would start by asking how do you define your work uh, because in my uh, world view and wherever i've worked before user research typically happens in a silo mm-hmm. and it's really tough to prioritize those learnings and those insights into mainstream roadmap so uh, if you can start by setting context how has your journey been and how has your research and insights helped organizations sure uh, let me start by answering the first question how do i define you that's a very existential question earlier i used to have different terms to define me today if an hr asks me i'll say a different thing a founder asks me i'll say a different thing and definitely if my mom asks me i'm going to say a completely different thing right <laughs> uh, but largely i'm going to put it under the bucket of what i call user research but the user research team is also like you said that you know it's very ambiguous what does it mean uh, a product manager feels that you know they should be doing it a founder thinks that they already know it and a designer thinks that they've been it's this been already done in some way or other so it's like an elephant in the room right and everybody's trying to deconstruct it piece by piece i feel like a user researcher a good user researcher would enable everybody in the team to understand the people that they're building for better so very recently that uh, we had a session by don norman in design up for cause event one of the profound things that he said was a designer should not be doing things but should be enabling people to do things and i think i believe the similar manner a researcher should enable other people to actually understand of course yes their contribution would be there but demo i believe lot in democratizing research yeah right? but sorry so, sorry to interrupt but this sure. i mean if if everybody is empowering then who's actually doing it because i did a audio gain recently with nishan choudhary who's a mm-hmm. product manager and sort of a senior he's he's heading the design at uh, fred tiger mm-hmm. and he was saying product managers have to be really like like a mirror just reflecting mm-hmm. everybody and then empowering or just moving things around so that everybody can do their stuff now even mm-hmm. designer does that and it's a classic mm-hmm. problem of how do you define that blurring lines between product and design so right. to just like double click on that point that what do you mean by empowering or what do you mean by enabling yeah yeah sure sure uh, so for example design research or user research has different forms and shapes right so for example some of these sort of research are very generative in nature which means uh, you have an abstract problem statement 
let's take a simple example of let's say Swiggy wants to get into a completely new product or they would like to get into a completely new market. Now, this is a problem statement that the business team would like to understand or like the product team would like to understand in a different way. The marketing team would like to understand in a different way. You could collect the requirements or you can say understand their opportunity statements from all these different stakeholders and design a research that would satisfy all these three stakeholders and go ahead and execute the research. Now, most cases, what happens is the researcher kind of thinks that, you know, their job starts from taking the requirement and coming back with a PDF report. Now, that's a problematic thing because you don't know what is the success of the research. When I say people should empower them, which means your insights that you're bringing back should be beautifully into all these three different stakeholders' life. And they should be able to convert some of these insights into uh, something measurable or tangible, right? For example, the marketing person should be able to take these insights and should be able to build better product positioning. And the product team should be able to take these insights and build better user experience. The business team should be able to take this insight and come up with a better um, sort of business model or metrics or whatever. Yeah. So when you say empower, so the insights doesn't stop when you share the presentation of PDF. You should be able to create, let's say, I do a lot of engaging workshops with these different teams to problem solve along with them. Right. Mm. So which means that, you know, the research that I did is actually getting converted into something meaningful. Got that it. is what I meant by they should empower, right? So it research is not about just, just going and talking, but is also converting some of the ideas or the themes that we picked up from the ground into weaving meaningfully into the product. Interesting. And I mean, I'm slightly taking a detour, but uh, sure. how, how then, like these workshops, you basically try to articulate better or to explain the nuances or, or generally drive that emotion which you have found out from the users and then I mean why do you need these workshops like a PDF or like a good walkthrough or a small demo wouldn't suffice so the problem so first you start with the presentation the presentation is generic enough that it can it can actually excite all the different stakeholders now the workshops it, I call it a workshop and not a presentation because it's a, uh, you're collaboratively problem solving there unless the stakeholder themselves agree to come on board and also solve the problem along with you with the insights or it could be personas or the teams that you derived from the field work, they'll not be able to take it forward. So mm. how much can you understand people from just seeing a presentation, right? Okay. So these workshops are, are collaborative in nature, right? Mm. So at the end, you know that, you know, they, they've also, it's, it's like the IK effect, right? Once they put in the effort into doing something, they find it much more closer to them. Otherwise, it becomes, sometimes it also becomes a tussle between saying whether you know it better or I know it better types. Right? I want to avoid that. I want to make them as a part of the process. And that's what I meant by empowering collaborative workshops, etc. Mm-hmm. And your articles uh, reflect sort of, at least I, I feel it, it's, it's like real India. Uh, mm-hmm. Be it this article called as like the India loves FD and they need a digital makeover uh, mm-hmm. or the old one, slightly older one, which was like designing better user accounts for Indian families. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit about like, which is this India that you're exploring and some interesting stuff that you mentioned offline about it? Right. So as I read more about them, talk more about them, I feel I understand less, right? What I my understanding was one year back is probably different from what I understanding is now. 
but I can talk about it at an overview level, but you know, it'll be very difficult for me to exactly pinpoint and say numbers and stuff like that, because I've been trying to get to that level where I can talk about certain demographics and put some number to it, who are the different segments that I'm talking about. Everybody has a different viewpoint and, and I'm very much looking for this year's, like uh, this year or the next year's census data that would come up because it will give me much closer to what. So roughly let's talk, think about it where, so let's take the top 100 million users, roughly, right? People who are uh, well-educated, who have the ability to actually go for uh, uh, graduation, higher education and all of it. So who understood English, who came from a very affluent background, now they shared a common sort of behavioral traits, right? So for example, a very affluent person, family from from Chennai and Maharashtra could share a lot of, they could have a lot of common things in starting from the movies that they watch, the journals that they read and all of it. So earlier when internet just came, became popular in India, we were building for mostly for them because they are the ones who have the access. Right. So which means that, you know, you started building a lot in getting inspired from the West. So, for example, they had Amazon and we started Flipkart. Right. You know, so we had similar services, which was catering to what I call like a very affluent sort of a class. Right. Now, in 2015 and 2016, the shift happened when Geo came into picture and everybody started getting access to Internet. So two things like one is mobile phones prices started coming down. And second is the affordability in the internet space. So a combination of these two meant that there were a lot of first-time internet users, right? You know, or what the usually uh, the startup term is the new internet users who came online for the first time because they surpassed a lot of other ways of how we probably used internet. We would have used it through dial-up connections and broadband, and then we came to mobile phones, mobile internet. These people surpassed all of it. They primarily jumped on to the mobile internet for the first time. And they brought along a lot of interesting, they, their own culture to it, their own language to it, right? Now, when you landed here, you are, you are just flooded with apps which are probably not relevant to you, right? Hmm. You know, they're more, let's take a simple example of Instagram. So what does Instagram promote? Instagram promotes a certain kind of aesthetic. The algorithm itself promotes a certain kind of aesthetic. For someone who is coming from a very emergent class to create that aesthetic is close to impossible. Wherever I place my, probably my camera phone in my home, it's not going to look as great as somebody who's seen this in US, UK, or wherever it is, right? You know, so, but they need a completely sort of a different platform where they feel home. And that's where the opportunity of ShareChat comes into picture, right? And uh, so, the, and also the intention of why they come online is also quite different from an emergent class to an affluent class, right? You know, in the book, Next Billion Users, Paya Laura talks about a very interesting sort of a theme, which I really love, where she talked about seeing people from the West came online to actually connect with the friends that they already knew offline, right? So that mm-hmm. is why Facebook promoted a lot into authenticity. If you can't have two profiles and if they get to know that the same person is operating two profiles, that is it is not, it, it, they don't get banned, I guess, but you know, it's, it's looked down upon, right? So they promote authenticity, but whereas um, she talks about the people who are coming from the developing countries, they wanted to get online to actually make new friends, mm. right? So that was a twist in the tail, right? You know, so they wanted to surpass the existing social barriers. It could be their caste, it could be their community, it could be their economic inequality. They wanted to sort of like, you know, come across that and, and connect with new sorts of people. But the existing these platforms never really appreciated that, right? Because Facebook was built with the idea of saying that, you know, connect 
with your existing uh, so all, all the colleagues or sorry the students or your friends that you already knew right it started from colleges right but uh, when if you look at share chat if you i don't know how many of us have actually deeply understood share chat i really love that i also almost think it's like a beautiful art because in share chat i don't think that it has a concept of private profiles every profile is public right and there is a singular feed and you the app opens with different languages and once you enter into a language it's a completely different world now the content that you see from hindi is completely different from english to completely different from punjabi to completely different from malayalam right so once you enter it's almost like switching a tv channel hmm. once you enter you see only that sort of a content it's very relatable it's it's their film stars it's their daily soaps it's their sort of memes that you actually see right mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, i was once talking to a product manager from sharechat and i found something very fascinating is that all the usernames were not really like a direct username right you know you wouldn't see like kedar nimkar written anywhere you would probably see divya but the divya would have a lot of glyphs and a lot of emojis as a part of the names mm. right so i probably asked uh, the product manager as to well, why is this behavior and they said they don't want to really reveal and yet they want to sort of interact right mm. so you wouldn't be able to find who's that person who's actually talking and even the dps that you see either it's a avatar or it could even be their dp or all you could see is just their eyes okay. right? well, very interesting so they're creating a new sort of an identity and that actually works in sharechat right and sharechat was sharechat actually introduced a feature like clubhouse even before clubhouse became famous right the reason is that you want two people to connect but you can't connect through text because text requires a lot more thinking uh, like a very literate sort of a thinking you need to compose them into words and type them beautifully and and let's say if you're not very comfortable with english our existing keyboards don't give way right and you can't connect them through video also because privacy. of like the social privacy social barriers and all of it you don't want let's say if you're a woman you don't want your family members to know that you know they're talking to somebody else right so that's why they came up with this concept of audio chat rooms Mm-hmm. Right? and you had different audio chat rooms where every there there were if you, even today if you go there are different topics there are people talking like even on the night if you go 12 o'clock 2 o'clock you'll see people talking about topics like you know most of them if on the morning if you go you'll see astrology topics being talked about evening if you see like there are boys and girls hanging out it's it's a wow. completely different world <laughs> right so that, that's what i meant by you know this is the difference between designing a facebook and designing a chat chat mm-hmm. but sorry uh, i'll 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 come back to this point but just to connect to the earlier point is then do you think and actually this is like a very classic question for myself uh, and i've been grappling mm-hmm. with for some time is that when you design for these sort of people then you know their behavior and then you are sort of designing for them doesn't it make a bit clinical because then i mean at audio gen i also speak to artists and musicians and filmmakers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then there is a classic question that should your art reflect society or should the society learn from art or like look at art to that varun grover gave a classic example that you're not designing or making art in silos you're making art within the community so it's all reflection mm-hmm. and give and take but mm-hmm. in user research also it happens the same that you you want to empower them to do stuff better because designers is finally it's a task that you want them mm-hmm. to do it mm-hmm. if you do it from their perspective it will become very clinical right where will Basic you add your clinical. own yeah is it clinical what does it mean i mean it's i mean yeah another cliche which is that if you want iphone i'll give you iphone and then nobody will think of ipad oh all like that 
<laughs> right. Uh, so, I mean, it's very difficult to put that in a singular box. Let's say, for example, why haven't we been able to achieve certain sense of, like, say, financial freedom or, or let's say, uh, financial inclusion across the different countries, uh, across the country, sorry. Right? Mm-hmm. Why haven't we been able to achieve financial inclusion across the country? Because structurally, there is a lot of challenges. Right. So for me, as an individual sitting in Bangalore, there are like hundreds of banks calling me to give credit card when I don't need a credit card. Right? There are tens and thousands of apps which are giving me loans where I don't need a loan. Right. All based on a certain credit score that I own. But who actually needs is probably a small business owner or a farmer or a daily wage worker or a house help who is who's probably really in demand of all of these loans. Right. So the traditional way of doing finance probably didn't really cater to them because they didn't really care to understand them because each of the, their life is slightly different. Right. Mm. And we were not being able to do in the traditional ways of uh, sort of like, you know, evaluating them. Right. Forget like giving or giving them like a new sort of mental model. Existing models itself, it's very difficult to reach them. That's the challenge. And all I'm saying is technology can be used to take some of the privileges that only the elite class has to across the country is what I'm saying. So it doesn't have to be something new, but technology can make it much more accessible, feasible uh, is is my understanding. Got it, got it. Yeah, that's that's a separate audio gang session altogether where we can talk about standardization. I've tried to to do multiple episodes on that and... yeah, I have a sort of very radical yeah. view on that, but we'll we'll come back to that later. <laughs> I I just want to add one insight or an, or or a conversation that I had once with a um, a security guard, right? You know, this was part of the research that we did, and uh, he told me that you know I'll never be able to enter a mall and enter into a store which looks more fancy, right? I asked him why because you know for me some of these spaces are not accessible because once I enter. There'll definitely be a security guard or a person in the store who will follow me, right? And that's not something that I really would put myself into. So I know which are all the places that I can go and I cannot go. And I wouldn't go to places which doesn't feel that I can welcome, that probably can welcome me. Mm-hmm. So which essentially, after the conversation, I started seeing that, you know, let's say you or me, when we are walking into or when you're like probably driving in a city, you can stop anywhere and enter into any of these places. And if you want, you can eat. If you want, you can purchase. Even you can do window shopping. And in his view, even though he's not really been banned, but there is a sort of restriction which the society itself has put, right? You know, or he or doesn't himself, want to go. Or, or the person itself has some baggage. No, it's, 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 it's not really like a baggage because he probably has faced it. And that's why he that's where the statement comes from, mm. right? And some of these stuff is where technology should be helping in normalizing stuff. If you ask me, is it actually doing it? Probably not. Maybe we should move towards that as my Interesting. I mean, that's a great segue to the main topic of this conversation is that India needs sort of bottoms up designing. And we spoke about mm-hmm. this and sort of, I would say like, you are the better person to tell me that gone are the days of we making Uber for India or like Airbnb for India. Like there are now a good amount of products who are designing for India, looking at the Indian audience. So any, any things that you can share about these startups uh, or how are they solving these problems in a unique way? You have interfaced with like a couple of founders, bunch of founders actually. So mm-hmm. you want to talk about that a bit? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, probably we are no more looking at the West or there was a brief period where we were also looking into China to pick up some of the interesting models to implement for India. Very recently, there was a Y Combinator startup from Africa, which pitched themselves as Misho for Africa, right? And uh, that that I felt like very proud, like, you know, even though I have nothing to contribute to it, I think this is a shift, right? You know, where Misho becomes a term where other startups are using to say that, you know, this is, this is the similar startup that we're building for our own country. So in that way, I feel like Misho, Shachat, Katabook, and uh, even PhonePay. PhonePay is an incredible example, right? You know, they've all actually weaved themselves into our lives and we use them day in and day out, right? So all of these apps have been able to successfully replace some parts of our daily life. For example, if you look at Katabook, so what does Katabook do? If you look at Katabook's design, it's, it's the most simplest design you'll ever see. You, all you'll see is like, you know, you enter, it has like two buttons which says that, you know, are you supposed to receive or are you supposed to like give, right? So, and it's, it shows like a simple ledger. So what they have essentially done is they've taken the notebook or the paper sort of ledger that the shopkeepers used to write saying who owns how much. And they just converted it into a very simplistic design. Hmm. Right. So let's say for me, it's very difficult for me as a designer to think in such a simplistic manner because I will definitely add 10 features to it. Because I can clearly say I can add like 10 features to it. But the fact that they stripped off all of it, just looked at it from a first principles approach, go sit with a Kirana store owner. How is he handling business on a daily basis? What does he require? All he requires is a simple tool where he can keep a track of all of how much is being owned and stuff. On top of that, they keep adding a lot of new features, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, in the offline world, I can actually interface with the other person only when they actually come to my shop. Today in Katabuk, what you could offer do is in case if you have their phone number, you can actually send a reminder, right? Mm -hmm. And they can start, they can pay the amount that the balance through a UPI or whatever. But is this not designing feature a conscious effort or is it because <laughs> uh, I think only time will tell. So I, I think, let's say, for example, if, if uh, all of these, most of these interesting startups that I'm talking about are just like four years old, five years old type, right? You know, mm-hmm. and if you're saying that, you know, they have to become a part of our lives for a larger set of audience, imagine all the people who have done this before, like say Mahindra, Bajaj, they've been across for decades, right? Maybe we should at least see a decade to see that, you know, if the simplicity will last or or all of them will also jump into the bandwagon of saying, oh, we'll add more futures and stuff. So I think only time will tell. I'm liking the phase that is there right now. Beautiful. <laughs> cool. Let's take a short break here. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to the show. And then how are these organizations uh, finding these problems uh, to solve? I mean, I've heard stories. I work at Jupiter. We have a community. Mm. I've heard like a lot of stories where founders, especially me show kind of people who are just actually going into WhatsApp groups and observing and chatting and having that real experience of talking to the users. So any insights there, like uh, any other startups who are doing this at a very grassroots level? Yeah, I mean, very surprisingly, a lot of the interesting startups that I love have always started from some use case around WhatsApp. I, even ShareChat's founders, uh, they, they they started their journey where they said that, you know, they founded a Facebook group where people were just sharing high resolution pictures of cricketers or actresses 
online and they decided that they wanted to do an experiment they started a whatsapp group and they asked people to join so it started filling right and that's how they realized okay there is a demand for people to actually consume this sort of a content and initially chat started as a platform where you can find interesting status to share in other platform that is why it's called share chat right and later it became a network by itself so i don't know if there's a systematic way for these like most of these founders to find these problems uh, i think people are just lucky that you know they find something interesting they start building on it the all we see is just the one percentage of the people who succeed right you know there might be 99 percentage of the people who would have found some other problems and they would have succeeded so it, it would be a selection bias if we kind of rationalize only with them yeah actually on that note i would like to share something which clicked just now as in like which i had done before so mm-hmm. i have a friend who's sort of like a monk he stays in calcutta belur math ke uh, like nearby and he started like sharing a small snippet like just one small png jpeg on a whatsapp group and everyone in his locality wanted to read the gospel of ramkrishna ramkrishna paramhans uh, it's called ek photo kathamritam Mm-hmm. with like one drop of kathamrit like mm-hmm. one drop of nectar or something and mm-hmm. uh, he reached out to me saying hey like can you give me like a small jpeg which i can templateize so i have to just change the text and uh, keep the ramkrishna paramhans photo there and like give like a slightly spiritual look to it mm-hmm. and i'll i'll start doing it and i said but why don't you use canva so he said mm-hmm. no no i don't like i don't like that and whatever so he was using canva mm-hmm. at this point in time so i made this and uh, for about a year he was just doing this he, every morning he used to send this one drop to everyone he got a whatsapp business account he exhausted that limit he got <laughs> another phone he exhausted that limit and then he reached out to me saying now what do i do i said like make a app so i made a very fancy looking app because he's a very close friend it's got a spiritual touch to it and he said what is this what are you designing mm-hmm. like i don't want this i want exactly whatsapp looking <laughs> and i was saying how can i design that so i just change the whatsapp color mm-hmm. the green not to copy like no copyright issues but just like <laughs> just the green color but mm-hmm. exactly the same because he gave me that real insight as mm-hmm. to everyone who's using just know how to call on the phone or use mm-hmm. whatsapp they don't know mm-hmm. anything other than mm-hmm. that so right. even generating an otp and like doing that stuff he wanted like super duper frictionless so we mm. actually made it and it's got like now 5000 plus downloads oh, wow. and yeah it's doing great <laughs> it's free obviously but uh, yeah yeah most people actually like you know look at me surprisingly when i say whatsapp is the best design ux that i have seen right most people would expect me to say either cred or any of these fancy apps but i genuinely believe whatsapp has like one of the greatest ux because starting from your grandmother to mother everybody is able to use it right you know even if you can text it gives you an option to send a voice note and stuff like i remember like you know a few years back there used to be this one infographic where they said that you know hey these are the startups that kind of deconstructed just dial's business model and became a unicorn by themselves right you know you would see book my show you would see zomato saying all of these things just dial was doing right and there are people who picked one certain vertical of just dial and they became a unicorn by themselves i think the next big thing is whatsapp like deconstruct some of the behaviors on whatsapp and you'll find the next billion dollar idea there yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i sort of even i concur to you because it's almost invisible design nobody talks about whatsapp yeah. design is because it's invisible the highest form of 
design you want to achieve yeah. or strive for as a designer <laughs> yeah yeah so the most interesting thing is uh, my dad actually forwards emojis okay so he would have gotten this emoji from some of his friends it could be the thumbs up and stuff like he doesn't know how to like go and search for these emojis whenever he sends me a thumbs up emoji there's a forwarded message right so he actually <laughs> kind of figures out where he i i'm sure he keeps a bookmark of saying here's where i have to go search he taps on it and he just forwards me to send a thumbs up emoji so Did you want to hear a very interesting story about WhatsApp from one of my research, which is very fascinating? Lending, so, not not a lending story because this was just a, a the conversation was different. But he gave me a very interesting anecdote from WhatsApp. So we had this conversation around data sharing, privacy. We wanted to understand: Do people even change settings in the apps, right, or they, do they leave the default settings? So we asked this question to a person. He was a part of a sales team. not a very senior person but you know he works under a manager he said yes yes i actually have changed the at at whatsapp no 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 he's a sales team in different he okay. he's using okay. whatsapp right uh-huh. he's a normal person okay um so he said that you know the only settings that have changed is actually the last seen on whatsapp okay so i i switched it off we asked him why right he said that you know every day night i actually go to i am a part of a lot of these whatsapp groups and i start watching videos there are a lot of people who keep sending videos in the groups and i find them very interesting and they are very really funny so every day night before going to bed i actually start watching the videos right now what happens when i actually put keep the last scene on my boss gets to know when did i sleep last night okay <laughs> the next day when i actually go late to the work he knows that i have been watching videos late night and so i'm going to get scolded so that is the one of the reasons why i actually turned off the last scene and i was like no this is mind blowing like this context would never happen in my life for anybody else i'm friends with this wouldn't happen but the fact that you know he in his con- in his world you it makes sense yeah yeah totally totally as they say in the design world right the details are the details and and details are the design they yeah, make yeah. the design yeah. uh, i was i was recently talking to one of the founders and he said like just ip based welcome like if you open the app in say tamil nadu and mm-hmm. and there's a there's a tamil welcome greeting mm-hmm. just by making that small nuanced change they got like a 30% engagement rate Mm. because people felt at home so yeah i mean these are like very very yeah. fascinating facts yeah yeah when you even do lot of usability testing uh, one of the things that you'll realize is we go with a lot of this uh, what we call like a dummy data right you know because you're testing only the design but that's not how people look at it right so i came up with this mental model of the content and the container right so as a designer we focus a lot around the container as how the where the information should contain and Uh, what is like the bucket and where we are putting them, and when you actually show to the people, they don't care about it, right? They just care about what is the content. So to give you a very simple example, let's say you're testing out restaurant menu, let's say on Swiggy, right? It'll be very difficult for them to give comment on just the buttons without knowing what is the dish, right? Or let's say when I used to do a lot of testing around loans, I used to make these beautiful cards and show to people, and they'll be like, you know, I would never take this loan because this loan is eighteen percentage, right? and i would say that no no this is dummy data like you know assume there is some other data he'll be like how will i make decision because you tell me what is that information what what is the interest rate and then i'll tell you whether the design is good or not amazing it's very difficult for them to deconstruct the content and the container 
right so that's that i think is 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 something that that has hit hard in my head in the last few years it's not the same i mean for them it's the same right you know yeah, yeah. we are focusing more on just the containers correct correct yeah i think you put it nicely and in the start of the audio again i said i'm a instinctive designer i think i learned it sort of instinctively because um, for last 5 10 years maybe i've been just saying ki i can't design using lorem ipsum i mean then mm-hmm. yeah i'm designing the container i'm not designing yeah. the content and i need yeah. the content actually to it's it's sort of communication design or, or how are you representing yeah. your content yeah 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 then what is your take on booking.com and amazon where it just scattered it just messy but people get what they want i yeah. give a parallel of this i i used to work in clear trip and i give this parallel where airbnb or clear trip looks like a hotel where mm-hmm. you where you know where the remote is where the soap is where do you keep your keys and stuff and amazon or booking.com is sort of your house where the mm-hmm. remote may be <laughs> under your sofa but you know where it is as a personalized form yeah. of where it is and like everything is sort of everything is shouting and popping out and in yeah. fact i remember one once i did like two people search on booking.com and it said perfect place for two people and i said mm. oh great like great line and great positioning and i just for like just for messing around i changed two people to nine people mm. and some other hotel was saying perfect for nine people exactly you could see that <laughs> i put that code in such a way that it it just makes a sentence so what is your yeah. take on that then like how good or no, bad I, it's a very personal thing right let's say for example if you are someone who is building for repeated engagement right you know so you don't go to hotels frequently but you go home go to home every day right you know so amazon probably wants you to come there for anything and everything and that's exactly how they have designed right let's say for example let's take a mental model of dmart dmart if you go on a sunday afternoon it's a festival there right you know starting from when you enter you buy an ice cream that will be babies crying and you'll see people pushing for deals and you'll start buying anything and everything that you didn't even knew that you needed it right so it kind of resonates with amazon is probably designed from that sort of a mental model saying that you know come here find everything whatever you want right you know uh, whatever you search you'll find it like you know you'll have appropriate filters and all of it I like Amazon's design, right? You know, even if I don't like it, it's still like one of the world's number one company. So it doesn't matter whether I like or not. So <laughs> they've been able to do. So they've been able to show the numbers. They've been able to prove something in terms of they they have have really great customer service, right? For example, let's take a, a use case for my dad or my mom. For them, the first time they order something, it comes to their home. They are able to get the cash. Otherwise, in a small town like Iro, I come from Iro. It's a small town in Tamil Nadu. the accessibility to a lot of products doesn't exist like even today there there is not a great bookstore that you can go and see like you know some of the best selling books for them this this websites and the apps are something that gives them a lot of this accessibility at a much more affordable cost so you order them you get get it in their hand and it also like you know both saying that you know if you don't like it you can return right for them that is the customer service like i said again this app or whatever we think is the main touch point is just to plays a very very small minute role in their entire idea of how they place amazon right once that trust is formed the next time i know that i will have to go and search add to the cart and when i place the purchase then it will come to my home and i'll be able to give cash this is all they care about mm. right so for them the customer experience is that but we are too much involved into figma and these apps so we kind of over optimize on it it should get just get the job done 
right? And very recently, I've observed a lot of interesting stuff that's happening on Amazon, right? So if you are buying like a household item, let's say you're buying a Dow soap, okay? And you're searching for Dow soap and you will see different sorts of SKUs that comes. You know, there is a single Dow soap, there is a five-pack Dow soap. Now it lists out in the five-pack, how much does one Dow cost? For example, it will show that, you know, the entire cow pack is 209 rupees. And out of that, one piece comes to 53 rupees. That will be written in a small item because that's how we compare, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's then Indian household will be making the most smartest choices. Is, is it better for me to buy a single single Dow or should I buy a pack? And what is the price comparison per piece? I think it wins, the design wins there. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I could relate uh... My, when my mom goes for shopping, it's a similar behavior. Yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just change tracks and uh, move to the last part of it, uh, which is like, then what according to you or which domains in India need this bottoms up thinking? Financial finance. Inclusion. Yeah, finance yeah. is obviously great. It will be great for me to learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Financial inclusion is definitely, uh, is very close to my heart. And because I strongly believe that, you know, once you sort of uh, build the capacity for people to achieve their dreams, which where money, in most of the cases, is the, becomes a major blocker. And that means they will be able to generate more opportunities, right? So for someone who wants to start like a Kirana store or a condiment store or grocery store for them, giving the advance to buy a new store will be the challenge, right? So somebody is able to trust them, able to evaluate them, I don't know how, right? You know, if the algorithms are able to, let's say, if uh, this individual has been doing a lot of transactions on, let's say, phone pay, and phone pay is able to look at this trail and it has has evaluated them to see, okay, this person can take a one lakh rupee load. And now that boosts the confidence for them to actually go and start a small store. I think that's where we have what I have achieved, right? So mm-hmm. enabling people to move towards their dreams without finances, like or the money being a blocker, will be a lot more improvement, let's say, for example, for the increase in the GDP of the country, right? Mm. So I would strongly focus on the financial inclusion part. Okay, okay. And any other sector, any other discipline or domain? Education? Health, I would say. Health, okay. Mm -hmm. Primarily because if you also look at a lot of households who struggle, who actually, even if they are in the verge of coming out of poverty, they go back to poverty primarily because, you know, if not focusing on health, not focusing on health insurance becomes a challenge for most people to come out of poverty. Right? So I, in my priority, financial inclusion, health, and then comes education. Mm-hmm. That, that's just my sort of opinion. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Cool. And then what, what sort of mindset or what sort of uh, yeah mindset these Indian entrepreneurs or probably some listeners who want to start up, what would be the key things in priority that you have probably faced and say that hey like if you change your worldview or slightly change the perspective this will help any thoughts there oh i have a very controversial sort of opinion please on please that. audio so, can, like, yeah, <laughs> like I, I don't know how many listeners are there but go for it <laughs> no so the thing is even for like the startups who are building currently they moving towards this they, they come up with this mental model of, okay, there is one India and I want to build for the entire India sort of a thing. Because again, like the one entire country doesn't exist. It's just from, in my opinion, it's just union of states, right? Yeah. The language differs, the culture different, the, how they think will be different. The way you're probably even building Swiggy for Delhi versus Tamil Nadu will be completely different, 
right? And I believe a lot of these services in the future will get sort of, there will be a lot of local players who will excel in the certain domain because they understand culture better, right? So this is again like a very interesting sort of business model that I come across. I watch a lot of regional YouTube channels and I follow this one business channel, which primarily talks about like different business ideas in Tamil. So there is a services company who has come up with this quote-unquote scheme where they say you can start your own grocery store in just 99 rupees, right? What they essentially do is if you are, let's say if you and me decide to actually start a grocery store, you go to them, they give you a web page where you can upload your inventory and they'll give you a URL and they'll give you a QR code, right? And they ask you to print out brochures about your, let's say the store, whatever store, like, you know, we think about Kedar grocery stores, right? We, we print brochures and pamphlet and we go and distribute in certain areas. Okay. And the items that you have listed down on the website is something you can actually go to a wholesaler and get it. Right. Now the thing is, as and when the orders come in, so he gets like a SMS, WhatsApp or web page where he gets all the orders. And once the orders come in, they can go and fulfill it. Now, this is not the beauty part that he also goes into the calculation of even if you take 200 customers per month, right? And if you get these customers as repeat customers, at the end of the day, you can make 30,000 rupees profit, right? And this, these are actual services that happen in Tamil Nadu. Like I'm sure like the similar ones happen in different states. We are just not aware of them, right? There will be a time where all of these people will become their leaders in the market that they are working on. Mm. Yeah, I think. Now that I'm thinking and you're speaking about Tamil Nadu, I think they are way ahead of multiple things. I mean, <laughs> I've heard of uh, people having WhatsApp groups and planning the next blockbuster also. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll share the link uh, for, for the read. But yeah, cool. So yeah, before we take up the last question, which is the Thousand Faces Club, any concluding thoughts or a, like a wrap up of your article, which is design principles for the next billion, anything that you want to conclude in as a takeaway for us? Yeah, sure. So one of the things that, you know, I've been pushing to a lot of startups these days is as to when you're thinking about designing for India, don't think individual, think of them as collective. Right. So, for example, uh, the people that, let's say, the entrepreneurs or the designers or the product managers who are moving around, they might lead a lot of nuclear families and they can be living either individuals or they can be just living with partners. But predominantly, majority of the India lives in a larger family setup. Right. So, for example, when you're thinking of intervening even a smaller feature, you can't think just as an individual. You have to think as a collective as what is the repercussion of introducing this app inside a family? How will the uh, let's say the daughter-in-law will be perceived or how will the man will be perceived or how will the mother will be perceived and what does it mean inside that family something we'll have to start thinking if we don't think somebody else will think that's all i'm saying right because that that makes it much more closer to them otherwise we are just thinking just in terms of individuals will get you only to a certain extent because other peers the most of them will look at it and say this doesn't work for me Right. So there is a book called uh, the Supermarket Wala, right? It's written by this person called Damodar Mal, and he has actually built a lot of like retail chains. And one of the interesting things he says that most of the Kirana store owners are known for relationships with the customers. Now he talks about a newer challenge when a new daughter-in-law goes to the husband's home, and she actually doesn't prefer to go to the grocery store nearby where the entire family is buying. 
primarily because he starts judging if she asks for new soap or new paste or new dal or any new item because he would actually say that you know this is not what you are supposed to buy this is what the family usually buys wow and, <laughs> <laughs> and then probably she feels the lack of privacy there and that's where she moves starts moving towards supermarket and he makes a interesting case about why supermarkets will come into picture because it gives anonymity during the purchase and nobody is there to judge me and i can pick up whatever i want and move ahead with my life that's so, <laughs> yeah that's fascinating yeah. yeah so does it mean that do we like you have coined any word for this because now that you say it makes it very obvious to take these steps because netflix changed their brand campaign when they launched in india where people were sharing passwords and he like take the passwords because you are a one family they changed <laughs> the pricing model uh, yeah. i think uh, one more one more company did the same thing so maybe there shouldn't be like a personalization but a familyization yeah i, I, I haven't come up with the name but you know definitely would be great to think about it in fact like my article around why we should be thinking in terms of family accounts comes from there right mm, correct correct so we should start thinking collective and that would make it more interesting more it more yeah. inclusive i believe yeah. even i was talking to one user and just asking that how do you handle credit and debit and he mm. said i use uh, debit for all small transactions and basically if anything if i have to use a credit card it's basically i have to consult my wife <laughs> because typically it's a high price point item like a washing machine or a ac or a fridge so he just said ki ha matlab like credit is wife and debit is me <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so a lot of these decisions are very sort of like collective so similar in similar note you know a lot of these women buy gold for akshay trithi right you know and you would see in many cases women prefer to buy gold jewelry and it doesn't make sense because if your goal is to actually only buy gold uh, you can buy a gold coin right because the charges the making charges actually reduce if you just buy a gold coin but they choose to buy a gold jewelry primarily because the moment you buy it a gold jewelry it becomes their asset mm. when you buy it as a gold coin it becomes a family's asset right so which means tomorrow when somebody comes and asks then the husband or the mother in law or the father in law anybody has the right to actually take it and pawn it to get more money and stuff because she is probably buying it for her daughter's wedding or for to save like her children's future so she wants to buy it as a gold jewelry and keep wearing it just to save it from uh, using it during the emergencies so so like yeah india has many indias as yeah. a lot of people have said cool but just to conclude dharmesh um, the last question was um, 1000 faces club what is it uh, what are you doing and yeah so we'll we'll start that in this last plug i wanted to but yeah yeah thousand plugs. faces club is a community for creators it's completely different from the last 15 minutes whatever i spoken it has no connection with whatever it is yeah and i also feel that one is just like an exploration of like a new me right you know i'm trying to explore something new in in terms of web3 and communities right so thousand faces club is essentially a community for creators where they could come together and learn from each other right so what does a community mean by here is uh, being a creator like you know you are a creator you have been doing this for uh, quite some time now being a creator is actually a pretty much a lonely journey right very few people are able to cross the threshold of making it and very few people are able to get the million followers or like you know lakhs of listens or all of it right but what does it take to become successful and famous in the online world nobody has really cracked it 
And since we also don't know whom else to connect with, uh, they face all the challenges that a small businesses face, but they have like very less tools and very less support from it. And Thousand Faces Club is a community we are hoping that where we can bring these similar people together and they're able to share and learn from each other. Great, great. So all the best for that. And mm-hmm. obviously you have a bunch of uh, articles, YouTube channel, you want to plug them. Uh, it's One is, I know, Substack. Yeah. But if you can give the URLs or tell our listeners sure, sure, about sure. wherever they can follow you, subscribe you and, and learn about the real India that you're exploring. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I'm I'm very active on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Dharmesh Bha, D-H-E-R-M-A-S-H-B-A. You can follow me on Twitter. So I write a newsletter uh, where I mostly try and publish like once a week, but it's very difficult. But uh, the newsletter URL is theindianotes.substack.com. T-H-E, the, the India Notes. Yeah, the India Notes. Yeah, and D91? D19, no, I forgot. Yeah, D91 was the lab that I was building within Setu. Uh, so till the time I was uh, inside Setu, I was building it. So I founded the lab. I was building it. But today, there are two other folks who are actually brilliant folks who are running D91 Labs. If you want to check out D91 Labs, you can check it out at d91labs.org. Cool. And obviously Medium. Yeah, Medium. Yeah. So most of the time, you can see the same thing in uh, Substack. Yeah. So that's the same thing I'm posting in Medium. Cool, cool. Yeah, I think this is a good note to end this. Uh, thanks, Dharmesh, uh, for giving your time. It was really wonderful talking to you and got to learn a lot. Definitely want to have you again on Audio Again with where you can share more insights and more nuances of user research. I mean, user research is so fascinating. You can just like keep having layers and layers. Yeah. I know you mentioned about not getting into the types of user research and more academic part of things. So... Yeah, but would love to hear that as well sometime. <laughs> sure, sure. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Keda, for having me on the show. Uh, hopefully, like, you know, we can talk another time into like the different types of user research, which is a little more academic, but yeah, it'll be fun to talk. Definitely. Cool. And all the best for Udan. Uh, I've, Thank you. Jay, Jay has been uh, on the show, I think, two times. Yeah. Uh, one yeah. for Design Up and one for uh, Where Are the Designers series. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good, good to have him around. And you are right now working as like you're consulting. Yeah, I consult. So I've divided 50% of my time for 1000 faces and 50% of my time for Rudan. Okay, awesome. Cool, all the best. Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll stay in touch. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Kedar. And that's it from today's Gyan session. For show notes and more Gyan, visit audiogyan.com. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to check our other interesting podcast on IVM Network. You can listen to us on IVM Podcast app, ivmpodcast.com or any of your favorite podcasting apps. To stay tuned, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at IVM Podcast. And if you wish to connect with me, I am at Audiogan Moments on Instagram. Until then, take care.